I have a confession for you this morning. Thursday morning, I sat in that back table uh, and I was filled with embarrassment, with shame, and with guilt. Uh, this week, uh, I, I had a lot of, uh, I guess, pressure, I'll say. Uh, for starters, Lily's been sleeping great, but uh, this week she's been having trouble sleeping at night where she's up every hour crying and rolling around and, and, and whining in her sleep. And so uh, I was already sleep deprived. Uh, and then Wednesday came around and Wednesday I had meetings from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. So I completely lost a whole day of work. Uh, and so I was trying to squeeze a, a whole week's worth of stuff into really only four days while I was not getting enough sleep. And so all this pressure boils up in you, right? And you start to get stressed and stressed until finally it just seems like it boils over. And I woke up Thursday morning and I was stressed and I was really negative. Instead of being cheerful, instead of being thankful, instead of uh, ready to take on the day because it's another day filled with God's grace and mercy, I complained about my situation in life. I talked about all the hardships that I had, all the troubles that I was experiencing, all the things that stressed me out. Uh, and guess who had to listen to it all? Anne. Anne. <laughs> and guess what Anne's mood was? She was in a great mood until I left for work and I had done about uh, 45 minutes worth of complaining and negative talk and it brought her down. And so there I sat back in the corner, ashamed, filled with guilt and embarrassed by my actions. Because the truth is, I don't want to be that person, right? I don't want to sin. And that's what complaining is. If you think God takes complaining lightly, go to the Old Testament and see what God did to the Israelites when they complained. Uh, it wasn't good. And so I don't want to sin. I don't want to be that person. Uh, I, and yet there's stress in my life and it seems at times that I can't help it. And to be honest with you, I hate it. I can't stand it. Because I don't want to do that. Have you had a similar experience? Maybe not with that exact scenario, but with uh, your own specific sin. Maybe it's not complaining, but it's other things. And, and you don't want to do those. You don't want to be known as that. And, and yet, you can't help but find yourself falling into these sins over and over again. And, and you hate it. Because you don't want to do that. You want to live for Jesus. And so what is going on? Why does this keep happening? happening. Maybe one more. Maybe it's not you that this has happened to. Maybe you see other Christians and you sit there and think, how can they say they are Christians when they're falling into that same sin over and over again? I watch them do it every day. How can they say they're a Christian when they continue to fall into it? Just fight it. Just stop doing it. And these are good questions. These are good questions to wrestle with, especially because of, of what we looked at last week in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, what did we see last week? We saw that our identity changed in our baptism. Sin is no longer our master. We are united to Jesus and we are free now to live for Jesus. And that's what we want to do because that's our identity. We are blood-bought children of God and we want to live out that identity. And yet, it's not 
hard to look over our week and see how we have not done that. We've done the exact opposite. And so what is going on? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7, and what we're going to see is that grace wins for even the struggling Christian. Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 15. Here's what Paul says. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. You know, honestly, if, the, if there was uh, somebody that we would think that would not struggle with sin, would not struggle living a Christian life, it'd be Paul, right? Paul knew the Old Testament law better than anyone. He knew what God's will was. Paul was the greatest missionary of all time. He started more churches in more countries than any other person in the world. Paul actually had Jesus appear to him. And Paul even got taken up to heaven and was able to see heaven before he died. And so if there's anyone in the world that we would say never struggled with sin, it'd be Paul. And yet look what Paul says. I do not understand what I do. You can hear the frustration in his voice. I don't, I don't get it. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Paul understood what your first point is this morning. And that is when it comes to my Christian life, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And we see this struggle throughout all of the scriptures, right? All Christians in the Bible struggle. And that's what's really cool about the Bible is that uh, the, these pillars of faith, the, these people with strong faith, the Bible doesn't hide their sins. And so what do we see? We see Peter, the, the head disciple, the leader of Jesus' disciples, one of his closest friends. We see he has great faith as he says, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and Jesus says, you are right, Peter. And then just moments later, what happens? Peter rebukes Jesus because Jesus is talking about going and dying on the cross. And, and Peter says, stop talking about dying. You're not going to die, Jesus. We see Peter's pride get in the way at other times as well. You go back in the Old Testament, you see David, King David. The, the Bible describes him as a man after the Lord's own heart. And yet, what do we see happen to David? He committed adultery. He murdered to cover up that adultery. And then, uh, in his pride, he let many other things happen in his country because he wouldn't just say he needed help. You go back a little further to Abraham. And Abraham, a great man of faith, what do we see happen? He takes matter into his own hands as he stops trusting in God's promises. When it comes to my Christian life, the struggle is real. We see it throughout the pages of Scripture and we see it in our own lives. We want to live for God. We want to do His will. We want to give Him praise and thanks and honor and joy. We want to have all of that and direct it to God. And yet, what do we see in our lives? We see embarrassing thoughts. We see actions that don't line up with God's will. We see words and, and hear words that come out of our mouths that cause us nothing but shame and guilt. And we feel dirty just when we think about what we said. And we hate it. Just like Paul. 
Because the struggle is real. And so why is it? Why is this going on? Why, why is this struggle a part of me? Paul tells us, as it, is, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Why can't we stop sinning? Because when it comes to my Christian life, sin isn't gone. Sin isn't gone. That's your second point. Have you heard of the two natures of a person, the two natures of a Christian? Have you heard that term before? So, theological terms. Uh, Christians have two natures. Number one is they have a nature that they share with all people. Everyone who lives has this nature, and it's a sinful nature. It's the part of us that loves to sin. It's the part of us that's selfish. It's the part of us that loves to give in to the desires, the passions and pleasures that go against God's will. Everyone in the world has this nature. But as a Christian, we have another nature. When faith is worked in our heart, we get what the Bible calls the new man, the, the Christian in us. And that part of us loves Jesus. That part of us loves to do God's will. That nature wants to carry out the commands of God. And we, we don't see God's commands as burdensome because we see them as an opportunity to give thanks and praise to Jesus. And it's that nature that God identifies us with. And that's our identity. It is a blood-bought child of God. It's someone that God looks at and sees as perfect. And so with that in mind, Paul's words make a little more sense now, right? It's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Paul says, I don't identify with my sin. It's in me, it lives in me, I do it, but that's not me. And so what's this look like? It, practically speaking, let's say that uh, somebody struggles with alcohol and, and they've turned to alcoholism. Uh, if they were a Christian they came to me and said, I'm an alcoholic, I would say, no, you're not an alcoholic. You are a blood-bought child of God. That's your identity. You struggle with alcohol. You see the difference there? My sin doesn't define who I am. God defines who I am. And that's what Paul is saying. It's no longer I... Sin is living in me. I'm not my sin. That's what he's saying. And so this new nature, this Christian nature that we are, uh, this is who we are. This is our identity. And yet... Sin still lives in us. Sin still lives in us. How many of you remember the show The Odd Couple? Yeah? Alright. I'm glad to see the majority of you still remember The Odd Couple. I, the, only, the only reason I know is because growing up it was on like Nick at Night or something or, or TV Land and, and uh, those were the shows we were allowed to watch. So that, Happy Days, Brady Bunch, uh, we watch uh, uh, Bewitched. That was another one. Loved it. Anyways, getting off topic here. The Odd Couple. It was a show uh, about a guy named Felix 
and a guy named Oscar. Felix, uh, the whole premise of the show is that his wife left him and, and he had nowhere to go and so Oscar said, why don't you come and live with me until you're up and, and you're on your feet and whatever. Well, Felix is a guy that's kind of straight and narrow. Uh, he follows the rules. Uh, he's clean. He's organized. He's over-compulsive cleaner. Uh, this guy is OCD about cleaning. Oscar is kind of the exact opposite. He's a mess. Uh, he doesn't like to follow the rules. What he would consider a good time would be having the guys over to play poker in the living room, smoke cigars, and drink too much. Uh, and so these two, Felix and Oscar, are always butting heads in every episode as Felix is trying to live the straight and narrow, so to speak, and Oscar is trying to poke at him and get him to just drop the act for just a minute. Just let your hair down, Felix. And it always ends up in an argument. That's what's going on inside your heart. That is the exact thing that's going on inside your heart. In God's eyes, you have been washed in your baptism. You have been cleaned. You have been forgiven. Now you want to live that straight and narrow because that's your identity. And yet inside of you still lives the sin of Oscar that pokes at you that prods at you, that wants to get you to just stop living your Christian life for a second and just enjoy yourself. And that's what's going on. And Paul says this is a battle. This is a struggle going on. And the struggle is real because sin isn't gone. And as we live this life, it will never go away on earth. And that leads to Paul saying this, almost falling into despair. So I find this a lot at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? When it comes to my Christian life, the struggle can cause despair. Paul says there's a war raging in me. Because in Paul's heart, in his will, what's he want to do? He wants to live for God. And yet the sin in him is raging war against him. Every time he goes to do good, uh, the, the sin that is in him barks at him to sit down. Every time he tries to carry out God's will, the sin in him yells at him to do something that's against God's will. And it is this war, this struggle, this tug of war going on inside his heart. And what does Paul see? More often than not, he gives in. The good I want to do, I don't do. But the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. And Paul gets to a point where there's despair because guess what? There's no end in sight of this battle. There's no end in this struggle. And finally he says, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Because in this body, the struggle is going to keep going and I'm going to continue to fall. Have you been to that point of despair over sin? Maybe it doesn't look like uh, where we're depressed and despairing, but more like, what's the point? Why keep going? 
there's absolutely no point in me trying to live my Christian life because it's always falling short. I'm always falling, so there's absolutely no point. Yes, I want to do good, but sin seems to be too powerful, so I'm just going to quit. Then we get to that point. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? It's kind of like this. Our Christian life is kind of like this. We got this weight, right? Now, what if I told you that I'd give you a million dollars if you held out this offering plate like this for 12 hours straight? But if you put it down, you owe me a million dollars. And so we all start, right? We start and it's not too heavy. We can all lift it. And then, a few seconds in, your muscles start to get tired. Your brain starts to say, you're not going to be able to do this for 12 hours. Your heart says, I want to do it for 12 hours because there's a million dollars at stake here. And so you keep going, you keep going, and as time is going on and on and on, guess what happens? Your mind starts to say, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. Your heart's saying, I can, I can, I can, I can. And your heart's saying, nope, 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 nope. And finally, you set it down because you can't do it. That's what's happening in your heart. The new Christian in you wants to live for Jesus. You do. And yet sin is there telling you you can't do it. You can't do it. Let it down. Set it down. Set it down. The only thing is, it's not a million dollars at stake. Right? It's heaven and hell that's at stake. The wages of sin is death. The wages for putting that down once is death. And now you're seeing what Paul, where Paul finally gets to this point of despair. Who will rescue me because I want to do good, but I can't. And there's absolutely no hope. There's still 50 years left in my life, maybe. And I'm supposed to do this struggle every single day? And I'm supposed to hold this up every single day and not let it down? Are you kidding me? Who is going to rescue me? The answer, Paul tells us, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. When it comes to my Christian life, Jesus delivers me. When we live our Christian lives, there's not a moment in our life where we can be free from Jesus. There's not. It's not like Jesus brings us into the family. It's not like He gets us in and then lets us go to carry out the rest by our own. No. We are dependent upon Jesus every single moment of our life. We need His grace every single minute. We need His grace every single hour, every single second. And when we live our Christian lives, as we struggle and we hold out, the Christian life, and sin is attacking us, telling us to put it down. In grace, Jesus comes and what? He holds us up. You are my strength when I am weak. And then, when we put it down, and we fall, we go back to Jesus. And we go back to that grace where we find grace after grace after grace. And what do we find in Jesus? We find that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are except was without sin. He was tempted in every way that we are to put that down and yet Jesus never once put down the Christian life. He always did God's will every single moment, 
every single second of his life. And he did it not as an example for you to follow and carry out. He did it for you, in your place. Because God said, you need a perfect record of not putting it down, and yet we don't have a perfect record. And so Jesus says, here, take mine. I live perfectly for you. And then he shed his blood on the cross, and through that he delivered us from the punishment that we deserve because of our sin. Instead of hell, now we get life in heaven, even though we put it down. Because through Jesus, He delivers us from our sin. Through Jesus, He delivers us from hell. Through Jesus, He delivers us even through temptation as He continues to strengthen us, as He continues to forgive us, as He continues to catch us when we do fall and says, here, go try again. Jesus says, I forgive you. Now I empower you in my grace to go and live for me. There is not a moment on this earth when we can be separate from Jesus. There is not a moment we can be separate. Grace wins not just for those outside the family of God bringing us into the family of God. Grace wins for us in the family of God because we need that grace every single moment of every single day. Thanks be to God that He does deliver us through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so this week, number one, you're going to be tempted. You are going to struggle. I guarantee it. And so as you struggle, as you're tempted, remember your identity. Your blood-bought child of God. Your sin that you're struggling with doesn't define who you are. These struggles don't determine who you are. Jesus does, and He says, you're my blood-bought child. You're struggling with this. And then number two, rely on Jesus. Don't struggle alone. Turn to Jesus for strength. Turn to Him for comfort. Turn to Him so that He can hold up your arms so that you never put it down. And then number three, when you fall, because there's going to be times this week when you do put it down, turn to Jesus for grace. Turn to Him for forgiveness. Turn to Him to remove all of your guilt and all of your shame because that's exactly what He does. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that's what He gives you. And that's what you find in Jesus because grace wins even for struggling Christians. May God be with you this week as you rely on Him and you soak in His grace and fall in His grace and live in His grace. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank You that You invite us to come to You every minute of our life so that we may receive grace after grace after grace. We thank You for living perfectly for us, for dying for us and rising from the dead to deliver us from sin, death, and the devil and from the punishment that we deserve. We thank You that You, you give us grace even after bringing us into Your family, uh, the grace that strengthen us, strengthens us, the grace that forgives us when we fall, and the grace that empowers us to live lives for You. Help us to do just that this week, Lord. Amen.